week we began a new chapter in the life of Taylorville Christian Church as we launched the Expand Initiative. And we've been thinking together about what this new step in the life of our church looks like. It involves a building, it involves a remodel, but it involves more than that. Tonight, if you'd like to hear more about the building and the construction part, we have a town hall meeting. We'll be back in our fellowship hall. Love for you to come. It'll be time to get more information, but also to ask some questions and to pray over this project. So I encourage you to be here tonight and be part of that. But <clears throat> this project is, is about more than space. It's about more than square footage. It's about the life of our church and our life together in ministry. And last week we began that as we talked about faith. And we talked about how this initiative is calling us not just to grow in space, but to grow as a church in our faith. And we talked about the fact that healthy faith grows and how we can grow in our faith and expand that faith as we depend on God both as individuals and as families and as a church. And today I don't want us to take a step further in this process, in this journey together, as we think about the vision together that's necessary for us to achieve this goal, but to launch into greater ministry together into the future. And, and we're going to talk more specifically about ministry next week, but today I want us to think about our vision as a church. <clears throat> we have a nine-year-old daughter, and recently we were sitting around the table thinking about the future and some stuff going on in life, and Lily said this. She said, dream little, plan small, and you'll have a happy life. I'm sure she got that from her mom, right? She's a dreamer. No, I mean, she got that from me. I didn't say that. I didn't teach her that verbally, but that, I mean, I know that's me being reflected in her because I'm a realist. I'm like, let's keep all our, you know, feet on the ground. Let's keep it reasonable. Let's make sure we don't shoot too high because then we might not reach our goal. Let's have a plan. She says her favorite two words are plan ahead, just so you know. She's got that from me too, okay? So let's make sure we set goals that we know we can reach, right? Because that's, that's comfortable. If we start shooting for things that we're not sure we can achieve, that's not comfortable at all because we don't know if we can get there. We don't know the path, but we like to be comfortable. We like to have goals that, that we know we can get to. And so in, in life, we sort of choose the comfortable. Those goals involve things that we already know we can do. It's the things we're already doing. It's the things that we have practice at doing. And so we keep doing what's comfortable because it's, it's easy for us. We do know the path. We do know how to get there. And that's true for us oftentimes as individuals, but it's also true for us as a church. We keep doing what's comfortable. Why? Because we, we've done it that way before. We've practiced it. We've gotten good at it. We do the things that we feel like we're already good at. It is comfortable, and that's true of, of, of our goals. It's true of our ministry. It's true of our worship. It's true of all, of all parts of our life as a church. We do what's comfortable because it makes us feel good. Now, here's the thing. Here's the question that we have to answer. We, we've talked about this sort of as a statement and then a question, but I've said this before. If we keep doing what we've always done, we're going to reach the people we've always reached, right? If we keep doing what we've always done, we're going to reach the people we've always reached. Now, there's lots of us in this room who... I mean, this church is important to us. It matters to us. And maybe this is a place you came to know Jesus. Maybe you were baptized right up there. And so this place matters to you, and what's going on in the life of this church 
matters to you. Or maybe this is a place you've come and you've grown because of the ministry of this church. And we don't want to give up all that, but you see, here's the thing. All those things, well, they've reached us. Now, here's the question. What about the people we haven't reached yet? What about the people we haven't made an impact on yet? What about the people that don't know Jesus right here in our community and the communities that surround us? What about the people who've walked away from Jesus and need someone to invite them back and let them know that God will accept them back? What are we going to do about those people? And then we could ask it this way. Is my comfort is, is me doing what's comfortable worth those people not having Jesus? Is me staying within what, what feels good to me and what I've already practiced and know what I'm good at, is, is me being comfortable worth them spending eternity away from God? And when we phrase it that way, we all want to say, no, no, it's not worth it's not worth it. But the problem is, so often we have that question and have that answer, but we keep doing the same things because it is so comfortable. Even though we know that's really not what church is, right? It's not what we're all about. It's not what we want to be and do. It's still comfortable, so we keep doing it. The passage today I want us to look at that I think speaks to this and challenges us to rethink some of our answers to those questions and how we deal with the answers to the questions that we might have. We'll go back to Acts chapter 13. We'll look at 13 and 14. Great story. If you don't know the book of Acts, you need to read it. It's the story of the earliest church and how the gospel, the message of Jesus, began in Jerusalem and began to spread to all kinds of directions and people that it was unexpected that they would be followers of Jesus how it grew exponentially there at the beginning. And there are great lessons for us there. And so today I want us to turn to Acts chapter 13. It begins with the city of Antioch. The church in Antioch was a, an important church in the ancient world. Antioch itself was an important city. It's north of Jerusalem. It's in Syria. It's a crossroads. It's a trade center, trade pass from the east and all the lands that were less well known into the Roman Empire through Antioch. It became a cosmopolitan city, and the church took off there. And it really is the home base for Paul for much of his journeys. And so at the beginning of chapter 13, we hear a little bit about the leadership in the church in Antioch. And this is what we read. Now, in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. These were the leaders. And here they are. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, the king, and Saul. And what we notice there is that these early leaders, some of them are Jews. Saul is a good Jewish name, right? King Saul, all right? Barnabas means son of encouragement in Hebrew. These are good Jewish names. But what we also see is that some of these people were not Jews, that they didn't come from Palestine. And in this early church, they were beginning to take on a new identity, and they were doing something new. And here's what happened this would be a good elders meeting right here. We had something like this happen. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to these guys right here, gathered together, the Holy Spirit spoke and said this, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So set apart these two guys, Barnabas 
and Saul. We know him as Paul. In fact, in the re rest of the story, he shows up as Paul as they move to a sort of a Greek environment. He uses his Greek name. Set apart for me these two men for the work that I've called them to. Okay, what have you called them to? Doesn't say, does it? Just set apart these two guys for the work that I've already set them apart for. All right. And the church did that. They called them together, they placed their hands on them, which was just sort of a commissioning, and they prayed for them, and they sent them out to this work that the Holy Spirit wanted them to do. And so they left. And so we've got to figure out what the mission is. What was it that the Spirit wanted them to do? And the story will tell us. Because they went to Cyprus. That was Barnabas' home, first place they went. They speak in the synagogue there, they teach, and then they move on. And they go into what we call Turkey, and they spoke in another town named Antioch, okay? Different place, two cities, same name. This one is not in Syria. It's in what they called Pisidia. And so they begin to speak there as well, and they spoke in the synagogue in Pisidia. That makes sense. Spoke on the Sabbath. Why? Because Saul and Barnabas are Jews. And so where do they go? They go to the group of Jews. They went to, to people that would be familiar with the message. And so they began to speak, and the message that they spoke in the synagogue on the Sabbath was this. God has been at work. God has been at work in the time of the prophets and before that, in the life of King David, our greatest king, and God has been planning from that time to this for Jesus. And he is the one that God had been planning for and then sent. He was the Messiah, the king, and he came and he offers you forgiveness and eternal life. That's the message. And these people in Antioch of Pisidia are intrigued with this message. They want to hear more about this Jesus that Paul and Barnabas are talking about. And so they say, come back next week. Come back on the next Sabbath, come to our synagogue and teach us more. And this is what happens. Chapter 13, we skip down to verse 44. It says this, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Now this is not Jerusalem. This is not a city that's just made of Jews. This is a city where the Jews would have been a minority. And so what we have is not just Jews, but non-Jews, Gentiles, who have gathered to hear the message of Jesus. This Jewish man that lived in Jerusalem and Galilee and died on the cross, killed by the Romans. They want to hear the story. They are so intrigued with what these two men are saying. They've got to hear more. Verse 45. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They, they hadn't seen this before, and certainly their authority would be undermined. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. So Paul's beginning to get abuse. It's not the first time, not the last time. It's going to happen many times in his journeys that somebody doesn't like what he's saying. Sometimes the Jews, sometimes the Gentiles. But He's definitely attracted a crowd. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, and they say this, we had to speak the word of God to you first, so we gave it to you first. You're the ones who knew our story, the story of the prophets, the story of David, the story then of Jesus. Since you reject it, and well, this is tough to hear, and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Since, since you don't think you're good enough for eternal life, we're going to turn to some people who might listen to us. 
For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so we're going to take this message to a group of people that, man, a lot of the early Christians would not have thought of teaching about Jesus, people who were not Jews. What context do they have to understand Jesus? He grew up in a Jewish context. His teaching was to Jews. Everything he said was based in Scripture, in the Old Testament law, and the prophets. How are Gentiles going to understand? Well, this is how. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. In verse 49, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. More and more heard, and they responded because this message of Jesus is universal. It is not restricted to one group of people, a group of people who may know more or less about Jewish culture in the first century. The message of Jesus speaks to all people, and it was designed for all people. Now, here's what's interesting to me. It would have been easier. It would have been easier for Paul and for Barnabas if they could have just kept going around speaking in synagogues because those people spoke their language. They didn't have to explain all this stuff. They didn't have to deal with Gentiles who had different customs, some things that would have been objectionable to the Jews. Everyone would have gotten along so much better if they hadn't chosen to speak to the Gentiles, but they did. Why? Because God had called them to. God wanted the Gentiles to hear the message, and so they went on. And they spoke in Iconium, chapter 14, verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, to the Jewish synagogue. That's where they went first. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks, Gentiles, believed. And they continued to speak. And then they went back home. They went back to, to Antioch, the Antioch that the story began in, the Antioch where they were set apart for this work that was sort of mysterious, and we read this in verse 26. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So what was the work? Verse 27, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So what was the work? What was this all about? What was the work God had set them apart for that he asked the Antioch leaders to set them apart for that was sort of mysterious at the beginning? The whole thing is about sharing the message of Jesus with the Gentiles. You see, the Spirit of God had a vision that was bigger than anybody else. The Spirit of God had a vision to reach this huge group, the majority group in the ancient world, with the message of Jesus. And he took these two men, and he set them apart, and they took that mission on, they took that vision, and they ran with it. Would it have been easier to stay in Antioch? Yeah, it's always, it's always easier to stay home, isn't it? It's always easier to stay where you're planned. You know everybody, and you know what's going on. You know where to go. You know the synagogue. You know the synagogue leaders. You know the customs. You know everything. And yet the Spirit said, go and speak to people you don't know, people who speak different languages, people who have different customs, people who do some things that will offend you, and I want you to talk about Jesus. And they did it. And so the message comes down to us, a group of Gentiles, thankful that the message of Jesus was spread to the Gentiles in the first century, that it's always got to be God's vision 
instead of ours. God's vision instead of ours. Because you see, God can see our church doing more than we can see. We look around and say, okay, what are our resources? What do we have available to do the work? What kind of money do we have, right? How much money we got in the bank? How are people giving? What does the forecast look like? What are our expenses? Money's an important resource. What can we do with the money we've got? What can we do with the space we got? What kind of building do we have? How can we divide that up? How can we use each room most effectively? That's a resource. What about our volunteers? Man, we have some great volunteers at Taylorville Christian Church. We have people who are here every week to minister in lots of different areas. People in children's ministry this morning who are teaching our kids and leading them. People who put out coffee and donuts. Hospitality was here this morning early, getting all of that ready. People to to welcome you in the building this morning. People working in student ministry all the time. We've got lots of people who are willing to volunteer. Well, what what can our volunteers do? What about our staff and our elders who, who take ministry and lead it? What about our leadership potential? That's a resource. All that is available to us, and we take those things and we say, okay, we've got these resources. What can we do? Here's the problem. What have we left out there? We've left out God. Left out the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that in chapter 13 spoke to these men in Antioch and said, listen, I've got something I want you to do. And then he empowered them to do it. Now, God's given us our resources. And it's good for us to analyze what we can do with the resources he's given. The problem is, when we begin to restrict our vision when we restrict it to the resources that we have, what's in this circle, and when we restrict it to to what makes us comfortable, dream little, plan small, when we do that, man, we miss out on what God is calling us to do. We miss out on the vision that God is putting in front of us. God's vision instead of ours, because our vision even among the greatest among us who are visionaries, even that vision will be too small because God can see what our church can do with him at work in us. And we don't always see that. And so that's why from the beginning of this project, this initiative to build a building, to do a remodel, we have prayed that God would be at work in it that he would show us what he wants us to do. And maybe it's bigger than what some of us would choose, and maybe it's smaller than what others would choose, but what we want is God's vision instead of ours. God's vision for ministry, and God's vision for finances, and God's vision for volunteering, and God's vision for impact in the community. That's what we want, not what James Jones wants, not what any one of our elders or all the elders want. We want God's vision for us. His spirit at work in us because it will always be better than what we come up with on our own. And so it's up to us. It's up to us to dream a little. To think about what could God do in us. How could God lead us to reach people in our community that don't know Jesus? And it may make us uncomfortable. They may make us uncomfortable. We may not always have the right answers. We may not know what to say. 
but God does. And he promises in his word that he fills us with his spirit. And he promised his disciples that his spirit would be their counselor, their advocate. And he would speak through them, through his spirit. And that promise is still there. And so it's not my vision. It's not any one other person's vision. What we want is God's vision at work in this church, in this place, to reach people who don't know Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we want it to be your vision for us. We want it to be your power at work in us. We want it to be your spirit that leads us. God, it's so easy for us to get in your way, so easy for us to decide we know better. So God, once again, we put all this in your hands and ask that you would lead us through your spirit, through your vision for our lives and our church so that we can be the church and the people that you want us to be. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God's calling you to him and asking that that you'll come to him. Maybe you made a decision today to follow Jesus. You're ready to put your life in his hands, commit to him in faith, and we'd love to talk with you about what the next steps are after that. love to share with you in that. Or maybe you want to be a member of our church. We'd like to talk with you about that as well. I can talk to you up front during the song or maybe even catch me after the service and we can share a little bit more. But it's important to us to partner with you, to walk beside you in your journey of faith to where God is leading you to allow his vision, not just for our church, but for your life, to fill your life. So if you've made one of those decisions, let us know. Come forward as we sting our invitation. Let's stand together.